Praise God. Yeah, things are things have been going really well. So appreciative you're here today. Uh, it was good to see Rick stop by this morning and and hug some necks and and talk to us. Yo, know, Rick has been uh, such a a great father to us, hasn't he? What a blessing, man. The one thing that Rick has done is he reproduced himself in us. We don't ever have to worry about the Word of God failing now. Never. Never, Tim. Never, huh? Right, Gary? Never. We never have to worry about the Word of God failing. Never. Because of faithfulness, obedience, Love for God. Isn't that what Rick told us? I love God. That's the testimony that's going to be given. I love God. I'm going to tell you something. That same love has been handed down. That same word of God has been handed down. And the angels in heaven are rejoicing that we today have a word to walk by in this earth. Isn't that awesome? I'm so grateful for that. So grateful for that. And you know, uh, anybody's been paying attention, I'll just make a comment that, you know, uh, Rick's entrusted us to take this word. We will. Come to us. Come to us. You probably won't be able to find yourself uh, calling Rick at this point. But come talk to us. Come talk to us. And the Lord will be faithful. The Lord will do the work. I'm not worried about it at all about what God's going to do. How many will agree with me today? We got a good word, don't we? So, thank God, thank God that we have a word to walk on. I'm so blessed in that. So, uh, looking forward to it. And you know, uh, with everything that's been going on, there's some pretty clear direction. And I'm not going to steer away from it. uh, Because... You know, every, even, even in Rick's counsel to me as a pastor, and it's interesting, he has some counsel to me, has a little bit different counsel to Gary, a little bit different counsel to Brian and different elders. But in his counsel to me, I can never forget the leading of the Spirit and where God wants to take this. I can never forget it. And we're going to obey it. And we're going to follow it. And right now, there's a, there's a big thing God is doing. Very big. And in Rick's words, big, 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 Very big. God wants to stop the devil. Yes, he does. Now, there's a whole lot of work the devil's got left to do. That may sound really odd. But see, God knows the devil very well, and God knows that the devil is his servant. God knows that. Do you know that? Now, now I want to ask you again. Do you know that the devil is the servant of God, or do you think he's your boss? Do you think he's your taskmaster? Which one? Which one do you think the devil is? I know everybody wants to say, oh yeah, he's he's God's servant. But let's take it down to where the rubber meets the road in your life. 
Who is the devil to you? Is he the one that makes you fear? Is he the one that makes you cry? Is he the one that makes you stressed and, and condemned and full of sorrow and hatred and anger and envy and jealousy and all of this? Or is he the one that says, hey, um, by the way, I know you came here to tempt me, but don't forget you serve God. And therefore, who does that make him serve? Be bold. There you go. If you serve God and you're on God's side, the Lord's side, Jesus Christ, and you're with him, and the devil comes to you and you're in Jesus and Jesus in you, and the devil begins to talk to you, do you have the same authority to say, devil, I'm not worshiping you. You got this all wrong. I'm not turning the stone to bread. You have this all wrong. I'm not going to throw myself off this uh, pinnacle. You got this all wrong. You serve me. You serve God. You serve the word of the Lord. So once you get that straight with between you and the devil, do you think there's any more conflict? Come on now. Now, we have to speak bold here. I don't, you know me. I don't walk foolishly with these words that we go about just saying, oh, I'm out here to kill the devil and I'm going to whoop the devil today and all this. Do you, do you hear that kind of stuff around here? No. But what you will hear is when the word of God is working in you with great confidence and power and authority, will you overcome the devil? Yes. And you will overcome every sin in your life, in your life. And I told you Monday night on WebEx, if you were there, I told you a dream where the Lord had given me and instructed me to deal with these things. And we're going to do that. And we're going to have to take the journey and learn that. So I want to ask you guys a question. If I tell you what, I'll read, I'll read some verses to you and I'll let you answer the question for yourself. And that's going to be in Romans 5. And I want to ask you what sin is. Have, have you thought about that? What is sin? Now I want you to answer that for yourself right now for a moment. What is sin? And how about this? Instead of saying, well, it's doing this and this and this and this and this, why don't you break it down to or center it into one word or two words at the most or three words at the most? Is that a deal? Let's read a verse in uh, Romans 5. We're going to be reading in, let me see here, Romans 5, I think verse 18. Start in verse 18. This is the chapter where uh, Paul is dealing with Adam and Jesus. Okay, verse 18 says, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. What brings condemnation? Offense. What is offense? It's a sin. It's, yes. 
So it's, it's kind of like if your eye offends you, if your hand offends you, what does that mean? If your eye cause you to sin, if your hand cause you to sin, what, what's he say do with it? Cut it off. Doesn't it make sense that if, if an angel sinned against God, that God would remove that angel out of heaven so that he could keep heaven cleansed? See, we're not in the mindset of removing sin, and we should be. Because if sin is going to cause me to miss out on eternal life, I'm cutting that part off. See, the idea is that you say, well, and I got to go here. I got to do this for a moment. If, if sin can be removed and Adam can be put out because of sin, can God always go back and get him? Ah, so is there a problem with cutting off sin? Come on now. So the idea is that if God's grace can save, well, that sin has to be dealt with. You can't worldly sorrow sin. What do I mean by that? You can't comfort sin. You can't have the wrong sorrow for sin and just let it go and let it go and let it go so that grace may abound. You can't do that. You've got to deal with sin and cut it off so that it doesn't hurt the body and put the whole body into hell. Makes sense, right? I love the way God says, but I, I can get Adam. Don't worry about him. He belongs to me. So if your eye offends you, causes you to sin, and you pluck it out, can you go back and get it? Can God restore and heal the eye? Come on now. This is where you get up and run. Like, yeah. See, this is the work of God. God can deal with sin and yet still go back and save and nothing be lost. Isn't that awesome? You know what we have a problem with, though, is dealing with the sin. I want you to deal with your sin. And that's what God wants to deal with. So that you can live with him forever. Yep. Good. Let me get back to this. So if verse 18, therefore, as by the sin, the committing of sin of one, talking about Adam, came upon all men to condemnation. That's what it produced. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men to justification of life. <laughs> That's awesome. That is that is. That is profound stuff right there, Brad. Verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Question for you. By this verse here, could you come up with what sin is? Disobedience. That Okay, you could say several things, right? We could, and we will. But is disobedience sin? See, 1 John 3 talks about sin is the transgression of, against the law. 
Basically, you find yourself in a place where you transgress or you disobey the word of God. When that happens, what do you think you do? You sin. Now, what I find interesting about this is if we're going to learn how to overcome sin, I'm telling you right now, you say, well, I'm waiting on God to come down from heaven, stand in front of me in the form of an angel that's, well, twice my size, so I know it's real, and then I'm going to have him grab a sword and just, okay, you're sin free now. And we go, yeah, that's what I'm waiting for. Are we? Yeah, I know that I know it's in the thought and people say I I don't really think that way, but it's there. It's there. I think we talked about that yesterday, Tim. Lord, come down and help me. Listen, God said, but check this out, everybody. I gave you my word and I put it in your heart. And while sin is in you and I gave you my word and told you to use that word and let not sin have dominion in you, how do you stop sin? By using the word of God to just do what's right. So no, it's more than that. Really? Because it worked for Jesus. Jesus did everything that his father told him and did it put a stop to the devil? Did it put a stop to sin? God said, go here, do this, speak this, believe this, hear this, see this. Jesus said, okay. And the disciples would say, yeah, but Lord, you should do this. He'll say, stop. That's the devil. And Jesus said, I'm not doing that. That's the devil. And he says, I'm following my father. But Lord, Call down fire. You don't know what spirit you're of. Stop. I'm not doing that. Do you see how easy that was for Jesus? Why did Jesus not have a problem with sin? Man, he loved God and he obeyed everything God told him. Now, we say as humans, we go, well, that's that was Jesus. And I get it. I get it. Jesus was perfect. He was God manifested. But here's the thing. If it wasn't possible to be like him, why would he tell us it was? How could we, how could we spend our whole life trying to be like Jesus with this side note thought that says, but it's not, it's not possible. Well, I know he said it's possible, but somehow it's me. God didn't count me. You know, he didn't count me being in this equation. Yeah, he kind of did. <laughs> he did. So well, I'm the real bad one. Trust me, all of you. The baddest of bad is the devil, the dragon. Are you saying you're battered in him? Stand up if you're battered in the devil. See, the devil got put in a lake of fire. Yeah, remember that part at the end? But let's back up before that. 
I do recall the devil being put into a bottomless pit for a thousand years too with a chain wrapped around him. Oh, huh. You think he was willing to do that? I also remember devils having to beg Jesus not to send them into the swine. What, you think they love that? See, devil has to obey everything God says. If God permits it, then the devil can do it. Have you considered my servant Job? There you go, devil. But don't take his life. See, I mean, it's so simple. We read this stuff and we go, look how much power God has over the devil. But I don't. Like I ha- I'm human. So I have sin. Sin is a consciousness, everybody. Sin is a consciousness. Sin is a consciousness. Say, so, well, no, it's, it's when I do this physically. No. That physical is a reaction or an effect of something that's within that's spiritual, isn't it? We know this. So what stops us from sin? Getting the word of God in us to where we love God so much that we obey and not disobey. Does that sound pretty easy to you? Now let's point something out. I read that verse. Boy, is that a good verse. Uh, let me finish, let me finish a, a verse here. Verse 20, Dave. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That is awesome. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so grace will reign through righteousness unto eternal life. Ooh, that's good. By Jesus Christ, our Lord. Question for you. If you say grace is in my life, tell me by this verse how grace has power. Through righteousness. See, you can't be a sinner and say, I have grace. Grace reigns through righteousness. (laughs) See, I told you the other day, this is very important again, okay? A sinner is different than a a righteous person who is learning to overcome sin. Right? A sinner is different than a righteous person who is learning to overcome sin. Does it make sense? A sinner continues in sin. They want to sin. They give themselves to sin. They disobey. But a righteous man goes, okay... I didn't catch that in me, but I love God, so I'm not doing that again. Was that David? Was that David, Tim? (laughs) I'm trying to fire you guys up about living righteous, man. I mean, like, to overcome sin. David, you know, I don't even have to tell you he was a man after God's heart. God loved David. He loved him so much that he said, I will sit on David's throne. That's how much I love David. And then, but do you look at his life and you go, David had some problems. Yeah, but he didn't have this one problem. This one thing he could do, he could do very well. You know what it was? Matter of fact, I remember 
Rick having this uh, in prayer that one night years ago, getting up and said, the Lord talked to me about David. You guys remember that? Anybody? What did he say? Do you remember? Yeah. He, he, David loved reproof. He loved the Lord. He loved it. When God shared that to Rick, man, that just, that really blessed his life. It blessed us. Uh, Brad. There you go. Brad said that Rick uh, said that night that David learned how much God loved him. See, it wasn't the sin that was a problem to David. David paid for his sin, didn't he? It was God's love that overcame him and set him on the throne. See, that's how we got to live. So you got to ask yourself, am I a sinner, one who continually sins, and gives myself to it, disobedience, refuse to hear, offense, hurt, pain, condemnation, all of these things. Or am I a righteous one that when I find out that sin is present, I'm walking away. I'm believing the blood of Jesus has, has overcome. Is that you? See, and if you identify with that, Oh, you're well on your way. This devil ain't got a prayer. And his prayers ain't going to work much anyway. But he, he hasn't got a stronghold in your life if you can overcome sin, Marty. Where does the devil f- feed off of? Disobedience? Everybody listen. Disobedience? Did that give the devil a doorway? It does. So... You say, I want to shut the door on the devil. How do you do that? What? Be obedient. Be obedient. And if you can visualize this, well, I have to, so I'm standing at the doorway and the devil's coming in to talk to me. And if I shut the door on the devil, who's the door? So who's between now, me and the devil? Ho! Got it, huh, Marvin? Look at that. I just slammed the door in the devil's face. Hey, talk to Jesus. And problem solved. Everybody listen. Problem solved, man. The devil already talked to Jesus and Jesus told him flat out, you serve me, man. This ain't the other way around. So if you're shutting the door in the devil's face, you're, you're handing him over to Jesus. So when I have weakness in my heart and I don't know what to do, I do know one thing. Shut the door and let the devil talk to Jesus. And if you can do that, wow, that's awesome. So what would that look like? Okay, because some of you will, next time you, you, it, you got the devil talking to you, you'll be, you'll be acting this out. You'll be like, I just shut the door on the devil. And you're, you'll be like dancing on the other side, you know. Good for you. But when, when, when the reality hits, you got to have a word of God that deals with the devil, don't you? And that's what I'm talking about. Now, 1 John 3, did I already tell you to go there? 1 John 3, I read this the other night. Just look at verse 8, Dave. Verse 8 of 1 John 3. And it says, he that commits sin is of the devil. He that 
continues in sin. Isn't that something? For the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. What did we say the other night was the works of the devil? You guys don't remember? Well, look at this verse. No. Well, that, yeah, that's good. But we'll get back to that. It's in this verse. The works of the devil. What's the devil do? He commits sin. So if you want to stop the works of the devil, how do you do that? What Jesus do? He stopped sinning. He stopped the works of the devil by not sinning. What? That stopped. that stopped him. And see, we think, well, wait, wait, I, I have to overcome the devil. Like I got to kill him. Well, maybe it's not time to kill him. In a literal sense, it's time to kill him by stopping him. See, God needs the devil. And so you never want to put the devil in the lake of fire before it's time. Why? Because there's still saints of God that need to, to know they can overcome him. See, God uses the devil to purify the saints. And the saints don't know it. They just think they're fighting and giving in and sinning and all of that. And the Lord is saying, but I allowed him to be there so that you turn to me and I'm going to teach you us together bound together as one body, we're going to overcome this devil by being sin free. And I know there's people in our world that believe that's impossible because of the physical flesh. But here's what I have to say. If Jesus told us we could do it, then we can do it. Back to that. If he wouldn't have said it, then we wouldn't have had a thought about it. But since he told us we could do it and the apostles preached it to us, why can't we begin to, to act and think as if we can? Now, what that means is, what that means is this. I already explained this to you. You say, well, okay, are you talking about a, a, a perfect man walking in this physical world? Because that's hard to come by. Goodness gracious. What I am talking about is a consciousness that loves and trusts God so much that every time you do fall, every time you do sin, remember David? I said that for a reason. Every time sin has a place in you, God finds it and you overcome it. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You have to believe that a, that a believer can be obedient and free from sin. And how do you do it? How do you do it? You overcome him. The works of the devil. By doing the works of God. Haven't I preached that forever? If you're so busy. Doing the works of God. How can you be doing the works of the devil? I'm so busy being obedient. I can't be disobedient. 
I have too much obedience still to do. <laughs> I mean, look at all the obedience. Man, I got to get going. You ever said that? It's like, I have all this stuff to do in my life. And so you have to do it daily to get it all finished. There's a lot to finish in obedience yet. So, well, what about all my disobedience? There's some part over there I still kind of like. Because it makes me happy. But you got to learn to put that aside and live for God. And that's what this is about. Live for God. And so the works of the devil, that's sin, yeah. That's a continuing in sin. But there's one more thing I want to read to you, if I'm going to use scripture today. Ephesians chapter 2, Dave. Let me get over there. Ephesians chapter 2, I think. Yes, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you, everybody say, you is me. And you has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wait, did everybody notice that word were? Do you, are you relating to this? Were? Okay. What happened to you? If you were in sin, what happened to you? See, the reason why they put that word quicken right there, and it's in italics in the King James, is a few verses down, he's saying the same thing. That's why they put it there, because that's what happens. And he shares, shares that a few verses down. But notice, you were dead in trespasses. Verse 2 says, wherein in time past, you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of who? The disobedient ones. Who does the devil have access to? The children of disobedience, Marty. What if you stop being disobedient? Wait, where's the spirit of the world? Where's the, the prince of the power of the air? Who is this? The, it's, it's clear. He's saying you were quickened from that. You were raised to life from that. You're walking in newness of life now. In times past, you were of the world. In times past, you were of the prince of the power of the air. He had control over you. You were disobedient. But now... But now we're obedient. Now we are faithful to God. Now the devil has no more power or control or, or can't enter in and defile us because we're obedient. And you say, well, obedience is just being good versus being evil. No, no, this is a word from God. This is like a word in heaven that everybody knows and lives by. Say, well, do I want heaven in earth? Yeah. So what's one of the first things you're going to learn? What is one of the first things that Israel was taught? How to be obedient? How to trust God? How to put him first? Come on now. And so here we are, and we, we have to say, are we going to be obedient or are we going to be disobedient? 
Where does the devil have access? He has access in your disobedience. And it's not, it's not like at home. You know, I know as parents, you look at your kids sometimes and they're being disobedient and you're like, this is a little devil. These are, these are demons here I'm raising. You've never said that, Brad, have you? And, you know, it's like kids grow up like, oh, my God, you call me a devil. Wait till you get older and you're raising kids. It's going to cross your mind. (laughs) That's the funny part. But the parents, you know, it's like we we go to that demonstration because we know. Isn't it funny how we know? We know those demonstrations because we know the devil is disobedient. We know that. And yet we ourselves, as, as adults, we don't get to, we get to hide this stuff from our kids, right, when they're young, is we're disobedient too. But our kids can't get to know that. They're the only ones that can't be disobedient because I'm the parent. And what I say goes because I'm the parent. I'm better than them because they don't know what they're doing. Me, I know what I'm doing because I'm the parent. And we forget to work godliness in our own life so that we could sow godliness into our children. By the time you get old enough and you learn all this and you look back on your kids, you'd be like, man, I wish I had a redo. And then you have grandkids, right? You ever notice Gary Braggs? He has seven all the time. He does that for me. I guarantee it. He's doing that for me. We got one. Yes, amen. In the race now. In the race. We're finally in the race. Be careful. Be careful. We might catch up. (laughs) Anyway, side note. See, we know the devil. We know the devil and that parable, don't we? We know he's disobedient. So that's why we work that parable in the world and we even, we even say, well, the world is full of the devil, man. Look at him. I want everybody to look very close inside your own heart today. Are you the church? Are you, are you the, the temple of God That should be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Ghost of God, or full of disobedience? Which one? I don't recall Jesus or the apostles quoting, my children should be filled with disobedience. They are the house of disobedience. Nope. Nope. Obedience. Oh, well, why do do we have the fruit of the Spirit? Because it tells us what our house should be. What our tree should be producing. (laughs) That's what it tells us. And so today, here's the thing. I think I've made my point today in this simplicity is that we got to put sin out. If my eye offends me, if my eye is causing me to sin, if my hand is causing me to sin, I'm going to cut it off. And Gary... See, I don't know if this applies because I can't remember all that dream years ago about the withered 
part. Does that apply here? Because I can't remember all that. Do you, you have to remember that dream you had about the withered, it was it a withered hand or a withered part? Yeah, it was, uh, I was actually uh, in the, the temple and I'm covered in wool. And I, I, I show a demonstration to the people of the withered hand and I remove it. And I set it off from myself. And I hope in, in before the people it dies. But then I'm showing them that if you're, if you're taking Christ to it, you can bring it back and restore it and heal it. And, and I did that before the people. I, I went and got it. It was dead. I healed it, put it back to the body, and it was, it was restored. Now that is good. And I just remembered that. That had to be 20 years ago. That was a long time ago. And I remember you noticed that because that's exactly what happens to it. When a thing begins to be disobedient and sin, well, it's automatically separating itself from the body. See, a righteous body has to take that and put it away. And it's going to die. No doubt about it. But the love of God... That's what I love, the story of Adam and the sons of God and the daughters of God, the families of God. God never forgets part of his body. That's so cool, isn't it, Tim? But now here's the truth we got to face today. I hope you're encouraged because I could have got up here and just really slammed everything and just beat you over the head and told you how bad of sinners you were and all of that stuff. But see, that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to show you who you are so that when you see who you are in perfection, that will reprove the person you are in sin. Does that make sense? See, if I show you you are righteous with God, that puts who you need to be right in front of you so that when you examine yourself and you find sin... You find repentance and go right to the righteous body. The person that God's called you to be. That's how he showed me to do it. So I don't have to be some traditional preacher that gets up and and beats everybody over the head and make you come screaming and running to the altar. Crying and begging God to have mercy on you. What I want you to do is hear my words, see who you are in God and cry and go run into his altar. And say, Lord, have mercy on me. And I am going to walk as a righteous person before you. And set my heart before you and give my life to you. And and I'm going to start looking. I'm going to pay attention to my disobedience. What about that? How many would join in with me and say, I will start paying more attention to my disobedience. Will you do that? If you will, stand with me. How's that? That's a commitment. If you won't, well, you can stay seated. And here's the thing. I believe this word of God is so much. I believe it so much. I believe it works. I believe, I believe if we follow everything God's given us and told us, it will, it will heal everything. It will save everything. It will remove sin from us. It will cause us to have eternal life there's i'm convinced of it 
I am. And I hope you can tell that because this, this right here is not a show. This right here is sincere belief convinced of it. Matter of fact, Gary and I were talking yesterday. We've watched God do so many good things in our church. I'm, I'm still captivated. But what it's done for us is put absolute trust. If there's any part failing in your life or in our church, I am convinced that God can restore it. I'm convinced of it. I mean, he's shown way too much for us to think he can't do it. He can do it. And so you stood up because of why? Why did you stand up? You're in agreement with what? To pay more attention to your disobedience. How are you going to do that, Julie? If you're following... There you go. And you want a good example? Jesus. Did he decide to go on his own into the wilderness or did the Spirit lead him? Everybody knows. So he was doing the will of God and who showed up? Oh, the devil showed up. So you're doing the will of God and who shows up? Of course he does. And if he don't come himself, who else will he send? When Jesus left there and went about doing all those good works, who showed up? Yep. Pharisees, Gentiles, you name it, all kinds of accusations against him. Did he just walk sin free? Did they convince him to stop doing the will of God? Did the devil convince him? Oh, that's pretty profound. So who's going to stop you? So are you going to be shocked when the devil shows up? You're going to be shocked when you have thoughts of disobedience rise up? No, don't be shocked. What do you do? I'm in obedience, dude. What you doing here? Are you here to do what? Oh, that's okay. I'll pass. Matter of fact, let me teach you something, right? That's how you deal with that disobedience. You, you got to teach the devil who he is. See, he knows who he is, but he, he don't want you to know that. Teach him that you know. Uh, you, I just keep going, don't I? It's like all these nuggets just of how to do this. I'm telling you, it's, it's not a gimmick. It's the word of the Lord. And so today, as you've stood, you join. We're going to pay attention to when disobedience tries to get me. And... What's the other thing I'm going to do when, when I notice the disobedience there? What are you going to do? Oh, nice. I'm going to shut the door on the devil. I'm going to stand in the obedience of the Lord and let, and let Christ be the front. I'm going to let Christ handle this. Does that sound good? Well, praise God. If you want to join hands, you can with your neighbor. We're going to pray. Lord, I thank you for your word today. It's been awesome. Your word to us is eternal life. And so I ask that you go forth. Now, I've already seen you go forth, Lord, but convince your people that you're there, that you're in front of them, that you're leading them. Guide them in the truth and let us forever walk in obedience today and deny disobedience. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Don't you love the Lord? Amen.
Okay, what's next Saturday? Are you going to come and have fun? Are you going to love somebody? <laughs> Very good. What's tomorrow night? We're online for Bible study. What's Wednesday night? At the church, Wednesday night. And how many is going to remember the Hickey family? Okay. God bless you. Have a great day. I'll see you online tomorrow night.